This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash transmission. The Transmission, episode 88, March 21st, 2010. Aren't you like a Indiana Jones or something? Yes, I'm exactly like Indiana Jones. You got a whip? Maybe. Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And it's great to be back on the island. South by Southwest Interactive was a blast. I got home just in time to watch Lost with <laughs> Jen. But I think I then had to sleepwalk through the rest of the week. We didn't even get to our blog. No, nope. sorry about that. Which we're really sorry. But it mostly recovered now. And uh, it's time to talk Lost. Up next, we'll recap the eighth episode of season six, Recon, in under eight minutes. Then we'll share our two cents or so on the episode. We'll get to your great feedback in you all, everybody. We'll share the latest track from the Others Lost band. And we'll wrap things up with a few filming reports in the forward cabin. We've got several weeks to catch up on, but as you might also expect, sightings are getting fewer and far between as production reaches its final hours, but we'll share what we've got. So, you ready? Let's get lost. Season 6, Episode 8 of Lost Recon, a Sawyer episode, and we'll start off the island. Sawyer is Jimmy, apparently pulling the classic con on yet another redhead, but she recognizes what he's doing and pulls a gun on him. Sawyer tells her that he's a cop, and the code word Lafleur brings in the cavalry and his partner, Miles. At the station, Sawyer is going down a list of Anthony Coopers and tells Miles he's an old friend. Miles asks if he saw him during his trip to Palm Springs, and Sawyer is briefly confused. Miles says Sawyer needs to get it together because he set him up on a date with a woman who works with his dad at the museum. Sawyer resists, but Miles asks if Sawyer wants to die alone. He also asks if Sawyer is lying to him. Sawyer shows up for his blind date, and it's Charlotte! <laughs> she says she's an archaeologist who travels a lot, like Indiana Jones. She asks why he became a cop, and he says it's because of Steve McQueen in Bullet. She says he should tell her the truth. He says he reached a point in his life where he'd be either a criminal or a cop, and he chose cop. Back at his place, after a roll in the hay, Charlotte finds news clippings of Sire's dead parents hidden in a drawer. He freaks and throws her out. Later at the police station, Miles confronts Sire, but not about his date, about his trip to Sydney and not Palm Springs. Sire says that it's none of his business, and Miles says he's not his partner anymore. That night, after watching an episode of Little House about living, loving, and death, mm. he goes to see Charlotte with a flower and a six-pack of beer. Smooth. But she says that he blew it and slams the door in his face. The next day, Sawyer meets Miles and tells him about what happened to him as a kid. He says when he finds the right Anthony Cooper, he's gonna kill him. Miles asks why Sawyer never told him before, and Sawyer says he knows Miles would try to stop him. Suddenly, a car skids and crashes into them, and a woman jumps out and runs down an alley. Sawyer and the cops give chase, and he grabs her and throws her against a gate. He pulls off her hood, and it's Kate. Now, on the island, Sawyer is with Jin at Claire's camp. 
map, once again, Sawyer is told that unlock is not lock. And once again, Sawyer says that he knows. Jin says he won't leave the island without Sun. And Sawyer tells him that they won't leave without her. Unlock arrives with Kate, Saeed, Claire, and several others. And Claire packs her things, including a knife. She also checks in on her creepy squirrel baby thing. (laughs) And Kate asks about it. Claire says that it's all she had. Unlock tells everyone that he'll explain everything, but they have to keep moving. Cindy asks what happened to those that stayed behind at the temple, and Unlock says the black smoke killed them, but he promises the kids that he'll take care of them. Sawyer asks Kate about their friends, and she says she saw Jack and Hurley leaving the temple, but not Miles. She asks him if he's with Unlock now, and Sawyer says he's not with anyone. Unlock leads them toward a clearing to make camp and says they may stay a couple of days. Sawyer gets upset, and Unlock says that they should talk in private. Unlock tells Sawyer that he wishes he hadn't interrupted him, but that he forgives him. He explains that he's the smoke thing and that he killed every one who didn't leave because they thought they were protecting the island from him. It's either kill or be killed. Unlock sends Sire to Hydra Island to do some recon on the survivors of the Ajira flight. Unlock says Sawyer will be fine as he's the best liar he's ever met. And in the end, they can fly the plane off the island. So Sawyer goes over to Hydra Island, makes a pit stop at the cages to mope over Kate's dress, then reaches the plane to find the remnants of a camp and follows a trail into the jungle to a pile of decaying bodies. He then catches a woman running away and she says she's the only one left. She says her name is Zoe and he introduces himself as Sawyer. He asks where the flight was going and she says she was going to see her boyfriend in Guam. He knows she's lying, however, and pulls a gun. She whistles and people come out of the jungle. He says, take me to your leader. Back on the main island, Kate asks Saeed if he believes that Locke can get them off the island, but she senses that something's wrong. She asks if Saeed is okay and he says no. Suddenly, Claire jumps her and puts a knife at her throat, and while Kate yells for help, Saeed does nothing, but Locke pulls Claire off, slaps her, and scolds her. Unlock tells Kate that he told Claire that the others had her baby, so she had something to hate and thus something to keep her going, but that her anger now had to go somewhere when Kate told her the truth. He says that he's sorry and that he will protect her. Kate asks where Sawyer went, and Unlock leads her to the beach and points toward Hydra Island. Kate says he could have just told her, but he says he wanted to talk. He tells Kate he knows what she's going through. He says a long time ago his mother was a disturbed individual and it caused problems that he's still working his way through. Kate asks why Unlock is telling her this and he says now Aaron has a crazy mother too. Back on Hydra Island, Zoe and her men take Sawyer to the pier where they're setting up some sonic fences and where a new submarine is docked. They take Sawyer inside where he notices a locked cabinet. Zoe brings him to see Widmore. Sawyer recognizes him as the fellow that sent a freighter to the island loaded with guns to kill them all. Sawyer says Locke sent him, but that they both know it's not really Locke. He tells Widmore he can tell Unlock that the coast is clear and bring him to Widmore so he can kill him. Widmore asks what Sawyer wants in return, Sawyer says that he wants safe passage off the island for he and his friends. They shake hands. Finally, Sawyer returns to the main island and tells Unlock that everyone is dead. He also tells him about Widmore and their deal so that they can change their plan of attack. Locke says that he appreciates his loyalty. Kate asks Sawyer why he's helping Unlock. He says that they're going to let them fight it out while they get the hell off the island by taking the sub. And And thud. thud. And that is Recon, the eighth episode of season six of Lost. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We'll share our thoughts on this episode. (laughs) 
We can't wait to share our thoughts on Recon and get to your feedback. But first, we want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. Audible has more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and features audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Transmission, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. A book that previously appeared on Lost and uh, appeared again in this last episode is A Wrinkle in Time. It's by Madeline Langle, and the audiobook is narrated by the author. It's unabridged and runs about five hours long. The plot deals with kids who are searching through time and space to find their missing father. Um, some of the plot also deals with the changing of the past, like on Lost. Happen. Yeah. Yep. And also there's a character in the book, and someone on our blog noticed as well, the character's name is Charles Wallace. He's a young kid. He's a super genius, but uh, Wallace was the name at 108 that we saw oh, on the uh, cool. lighthouse. Uh, th- there's also a black thing that menaces the people in the story, and there's also a case of mysterious paralysis that needs to be healed. So a couple of, or actually several parallels to our favorite show. So you can make this or any other book your free audiobook. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash transmission. That's audiblepodcast.com slash transmission, and we want to thank audible.com for supporting our show. Absolutely. So recon here we are halfway through the season now how did you like this episode i really enjoyed the la off island stuff i think miles and sawyer have great chemistry and you know if they made a spinoff of mm-hmm. sawyer and miles i would totally watch i that. think as this as we reach the closing you know chapters of the show a lot of people are picking out the sort of spinoffs that they'd like to see the little sitcoms that could be fun this one definitely came up i enjoyed the off island stuff quite a bit as well i like that you know sawyer still is haunted by anthony cooper but he's chosen i guess a better path you know he still has some issues i think we're going to get into that but again the off island stuff charlotte and um uh, the, the brother tr- 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 Liam, Liam Charlie's brother up, yeah. was kind of neat as well on Island there were some really good moments you know individual moments but in terms of the overall arc of the story it really seemed kind of scattered kind of halting and, and didn't really seem to flow well so I mean I wouldn't say this was my favorite episode of the season probably not my least favorite but I think when you get to this point in the final season of a six year you know six season show there's just sort of a growing nervousness and antsiness that when any episode seems to just sort of spin its wheels we're worried about running out of runway i am absolutely worried about running out of runway at this point because not a lot happened on island i felt like there was more exposition there was more trekking there was more talking about where they're going and that just it really kind of drives me crazy at this point. right and you know it's weird this episode didn't have a previously on lost which usually to me is a good sign it means oh they can't even give up those you know three or two minutes because there's so much that they want to cram in but yes definitely on the island I would say not much really happened. There was, in fact, making camp and sitting and waiting and checking something out and coming back. But in any case, let's break it down in two parts again. We'll start off the island since we seem to enjoy it quite a bit. I like that Sire, as you said, was a cop with Miles, and that kind of mirrored what happened uh, with the yeah, drama initiative. It was kind of interesting that we got a little taste of it last season. I mean, I didn't really think they'd run with it, but they did. And I, you know, like I said, I really enjoy their chemistry, and I really enjoy just 
seeing yet another side of Sawyer. Well, I also thought we saw another side of Miles. I mean, here he's apparently got a good relationship with his dad, uh, and they he works at a museum, and there's a lot of clues in that. But Miles seemed like a slightly more together guy to some extent. Oh yeah, uh, a absolutely. Little more grounded, and yeah. I kind of enjoyed that. Now, I just thought setting them up as cops was a neat throwback to the Dharma Initiative. But Jenny and Irvine um, emailed and said that this is actually a bigger picture thing that she really saw it as sort of the Hindu concept of Dharma and specifically someone's lot in life. Right. And that in either way, they kind of end up what they were destined to do. So, I mean, I kind of, I, either way, though, I mean, again, well, it was here's, a great presentation. Here's my question. If Sawyer is a cop and he knew there was some kind of shakeup going on at the airport and he sees Kate with handcuffs, why doesn't he do anything? That's absolutely a key question. I mean, we kind of questioned that when we saw it in the, in, in the premiere episode. At, in this episode, I got the sense that Sawyer isn't really a great cop. I mean, I wouldn't say that he's incompetent at his job, but he's definitely not a by-the-books sort of cop. Um, the way that Miles kind of lectured him about cutting it kind of close with the the, guy, the gal with the gun at the beginning. Yeah. I also liked how he brushed off Liam in the police station. Not my department. Not going to help you. Well, I mean, I think in this case, it really isn't his department, you know? He's, right. He's working, obviously, some kind of um, robbery homicide detail and Charlie's in the clink for drugs. Right. I don't know if he would really have any access to the information Liam was looking for. I guess. And, and again, maybe that scene was more just a shout out than anything else, but it just did, did occur to me that maybe Sawyer isn't, you know, a, a, mo- a role model of a cop. As far as the scene at the airport, the, the, the thoughts were that, well, maybe, you know how cops in, at least in television, they basically hate the feds you know right. they sort of like we're not going to help the fbi when they come in messing around on our turf i kind of got the sense now going you know thinking about that scene in the elevator he's sort of mocking the department of homeland security and this sort of you know keystone cops thing going yeah, on there yeah. so i thought that w- that might be what it was although of course mimi on the blog said well if he was sneaking around and going to sydney instead of uh oh that's Palm right Springs, he wouldn't want anybody to know he was there in the first place especially yeah. if say that happened at the international terminal rather than the domestic terminal yeah. that would have just called attention to it so so there's a couple of good explanations for that. How about all of the uh, Sawyer loving in this episode? Well, I, I don't know. He's not very smooth bringing beer to a woman that he just threw out of his apartment. No, you know, that's that's that I think that was really interesting that uh, he's he's not the ladies man. Exactly. He's a little bumbling in that case. And you, you kind of have to get that sense because Miles is apparently always trying to set him up with someone. But you know what? I kind of like him for that. I kind of like that he's not always all that smooth. That it just, you know, that adds another level of charm to him, I think. Yet he still does get two women, the two women he deals with in this episode, the the con man's wife, you uh-huh. know, they have a role in the hay, and then he meets Charlotte and and she puts out on the first date, which which <laughs> was kind of strange. Although I have to say it was it was good to see her and she still seemed very elegant and sophisticated and an international person just like how we kind of liked her character. I date her. Good. Yes. So she was great, and I, I, the the brief dialogue that they had in the restaurant, I the, I like that a lot. When she gives him that look, and he goes, "What?" and she goes, "You know what?" You know. I don't know. I thought <laughs> I thought that went, I thought that went really really well. But yes, he does. He's not a smooth man anymore. He brings the beer. She slams the door in his face as. You know, she should. Of you know, course. Throwing him out, her yeah, out, basically half half dressed. Um, I, the fact that he brought a flower, though, that was a nice touch. Yeah, it reminded me of Juliet. Right, when he brings a flower to Juliet, but uh, it doesn't go quite as well this time. No. But, you know, again, that mirroring is really kind of fun. Yeah, and another Indiana Jones shout out. This is like the third one in a row. Yeah, you know, to some extent, you start to wonder how many are the next Indiana Jones or Star Wars reference might actually get me to roll my eyes. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it's a bit much, but maybe it was worth it, though, for the. the 
the line about a oh, whip. Oh, yeah, you got a whip. Maybe. Maybe. A very, very cool. So let's get back to Miles. I thought, again, that his character was not as freaky or weird or even as, as sarcastic. You know, he didn't come off as biting in the off-island society. I don't know. I think there's a good cop, bad cop dynamic at work here. Maybe Sawyer is a little bit of the, well, not bad cop, but he's, you know, I think he's a... A, a little bit selfish and maybe makes a few mistakes and I think Miles is probably the by the book guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well the, the thing about this episode you know Sawyer actually did a really poor job of lying so you know maybe he's not a good con man as it is although he did con the well, con woman's I never thought life. he was that good of a con man in the first place you know I always felt like Sawyer thought he was a little bit smarter than he really was really? and this kind of you know this kind of confirmed it for me well I, it, was, it was just the way that Miles picks up on him stumbling with his answers right and it made me wonder so now that this miles apparently has good relationship with his dad who works at a, at a museum does this miles have a special power to speak with dead people or or what i don't know i don't think there's a lot of evidence either way i think they're showing that he's perceptive but with the with someone who's as big of an open book as sire turns out to be i'm not yeah. sure how perceptive he can actually be now our, i guess we're presuming that his dad is dr chang and yes dr chang works at a museum with charlotte yeah so what I want to know is, is this, again, all post-Dharma Initiative? Did the part Dharma Initiative actually exist? And just like we just learned that Ben and Roger left the island mm-hmm. for whatever reason, that, you know, Miles as a child and, and Dr. Chang and perhaps even Charlotte came from the island, but in this timeline, you know, they, they just basically... But they made it made off it, safely. Yeah, made it to the real world. That would be really cool. I mean, I don't know. The way things are, are headed, I think there has to be some kind of connection to the Dharma Initiative and to have former residents of the island in Los Angeles would kind of be the logical conclusion to that. Well, when when Charlotte finds the, you know, the news clippings in the drawer, I did get the sense that she was actually kind of angling to search through his room anyway. Like, maybe I'm just overthinking it, but it seemed like she was looking for something else um, when she does stumble across those articles. You think she was playing it? Well, when you add in the whole Dr. Chang and, you know, remember Charlotte was devoted to finding out more about the Dharma Initiative and where she was born. Right. Where else would she end up working if she's trying to get more information than at a museum where Dr. Chang, one of the major scientists mm. from the island, was working. I mean, maybe she's actually pulling her own con. Maybe she's working on some other conspiracy because she wants to find the island or get back to the island as I well. I like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're already starting to see that a lot of people want to leave the island. And if we're going to basically have people off the island try to get to the island, again, this is starting to be a little <laughs> bit of deja vu. Um, but what do you think is the overall arc as far as the Anthony Cooper off the island is going to well, be? Well, He's still looking for Anthony Cooper and he's still planning to kill him. But we know that Locke plans on inviting Anthony Cooper to his wedding. And is it the same Anthony Cooper? I mean, I is he know. a nice guy? Wouldn't somehow? it be great if Sawyer tracks Anthony Cooper down and maybe even kills him and we find out it's another Anthony Cooper that he's looking for? Sort of like what actually happened in Australia. He right. kills the wrong guy. A case of mistaken identity. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great, but very tragic for Sawyer's character. Although, you know, one thing that I didn't pick up out of this whole Flash Sideways is we don't get a, a redemption or a specific choice. I don't think that he either goes for the good side or the dark side. He's a cop, but he was a cop who wants to kill somebody. So, yeah, I really don't know where the arc's going to go. I think that if there's a way for Sawyer basically to interact with Locke because he's trying to kill Anthony Cooper, that definitely sets up a lot of interesting possibilities. And I gotta say, if uh, Sawyer gets his hands on whoever he thinks is Anthony Cooper, it's gonna be death by strangulation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, 
Another list. Sawyer is working from a list. Another list of names, I yes. guess, but they're all the same, the same name. name. Yeah. But uh, true, you know, we got to pick up on the lists on this show. Um, anything else in the Flash Sideways caught your fancy? Sawyer got himself a nickname. Yes, he did. Uh, the con girl. He called him, him Dimples. <laughs> right. And he, and, he, and he, his nickname or his fake name was Jimmy. Uh-huh. So, I mean, yeah, Sawyer, the, the he of uh, giving nicknames in this episode was getting all kinds of uh, fake names instead. I kind of liked how uh, the... You know, Sawyer freaks out and breaks a mirror. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been really, really sensitive to the appearance of mirrors on the yeah, island. Yeah, there's on one the show. or two in every episode this season, it Well, seems but like. he breaks the mirror, and mm-hmm. Jack breaks the mirror as well when he gets frustrated or fed up as well. I'm not sure if that means anything, seven years of bad luck or nothing at all, but definitely <laughs> a nice touch. Now, was it just me, or when we did find out that Sawyer was a cop, that Miles and he were on the LAPD uh, where is Ana Lucia? Ana Lucia should be I in know. the department with them. I know. I'm dying to see Ana Lucia again. I was expecting that that was what was going to happen, but it didn't. I mean, I guess there's still time, but uh, that was just begging for it because Ana Lucia is the cop on the show that yeah. we know. And, and we really miss Michelle Rodriguez. I mean, yeah. we named our cat Anna. Anna Lucia. Yeah, well, the, we named our other cat Mr. Echo. Right. But in any case, that's how much <laughs> we miss those characters. Well, let's move on the island. Now, again, overall, just a lot of weird exposition and moving and staying and sending and coming back. And but, awkwardness. Right. But there were some, I guess, notable moments. Uh, Claire basically had her chance with Kate. That was my favorite moment. <laughs> when she had the knife to her throat? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm so sick of Kate at this point. And, but the thing that bugs me the most is... You know, all it takes is for Locke to slap her and she's repentant again. She's sorry for attacking Kate. I want I want Claire to be angry. Claire is supposed to be angry. She's not supposed to be repentant. Yeah, it's almost like a TV cliche that getting smacked is basically what snaps you back. But yeah. I, I'd like to think that Claire is a little more crazy than that, basically. I mean, I'm hoping that being rebuked and being you know sent off by Locke actually makes her more resolved to kill Kate. Not that I necessarily want Kate to be killed, but I do think that, again, it can't be that simple. They can't just turn around and you know diffuse that whole situation just through that no one scene. she's crazy she she cannot just back down like that it was interesting though that she's up to something she's up claire's up to something already because before she tried to kill him there was the sort of hand holding like just sort of uh-huh. grabbed claire's hand right and then as you mentioned she mentioned she was very repentant and she gives her a big loving hug at first it seemed a little weird that she's doing that what's with all the physical contact that she's she's making with kate oh. but what i think it is is the infection, the sickness. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's been all this paranoia about you better not catch it. You better not catch it. We still don't even know what the method of transmission is. Right. I guess apart from being drowned in the in the in the brown water, but whatever it is, I think Claire wants to get Kate sick. I think that's. I mean, that's the only way to explain why she's been so touchy feely with someone that she wants to kill. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll think that that's necessarily what's going on there. Uh, how about Saeed? You know, he's just sort of he's 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 a zombie basically. I feel bad for Naveen. Andrews kind of because he's at this point has very little to do I mean we know that there's something wrong with Saeed but that doesn't give him a lot of opportunity to to act well you know it seems like he's sort of in the position that Jack was in in season five just waiting around for his moment Saeed's waiting around for his moment he's he's a he's evil or possessed he's got something that he's needed to do we just haven't seen it yet I do hope though that they give him a little more range than being sort of a a spaced out zombie I like the line where Kate says are you all right and he says 
No. <laughs> because not only that, because like less than five, you know, less than a minute later after Claire jumps Kate, Locke says to Kate, are you all right? And Kate's like, no, I'm not all right. I mean, basically what we're learning is they're not all right. You know, no. there are there are definitely some problems here. Locke certainly had the most interesting things to say in this episode. Yeah, he had the most clues, I guess, or the most background. Well, he did say, he says, I'm the smoke thing. Yeah. And I just like that because it was a simple declaratory statement of fact that hopefully puts to rest the continuing debate over whether or not he is the smoke <laughs> monster. Maybe he's riding the smoke monster like a you know an evil horse or something. <laughs> no, he, he is the smoke thing. He killed everybody back at the temple. But what was that whole conversation about? I mean, why did he kill all the people at the temple if they didn't leave peacefully? They wouldn't leave peacefully, so I killed them all. I don't know. He seems to see them as a threat, but I'm not sure that he even believes that they're a threat. It sounds to me more like he's telling himself that they were a threat to justify what he's just done. Well, you know, it's weird when he's he basically seems almost surprised or caught off guard by Sawyer's question, like, what's the deal here? Uh And, it you know, it's kill or be killed. And I don't want to be killed. And and this is a temple full of hippies that were you know, living relatively peacefully and de- yeah. defensively. I cannot see that he would see them as a threat. They were people that were afraid of him. I think that I, I think in, as you're what you're right, he's trying to convince himself that he did the right thing. But he maybe as anyone else is just as maybe shocked at his behavior. Yeah, I mean, because I can't really see anything that any of the temple others were doing that was harmful. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Well, so everything about this unlock character is very intriguing and one thing that's coming through in this episode in addition to these weird uh, as part of these weird conversations is he seems to be very concerned with decorum or or manners Ma- yeah like um he calls claire's behavior inappropriate right after he smacks her like uh-huh. come on behave you know do it right or he or he says i need to take responsibility for what claire did you know, he apologizes to kate right he he scolds sawyer for interrupting him i wish you hadn't interrupted me and he goes i'm sorry and he unlocks says I forgive you. Like, you know, this is sort of how we appropriately interact with each other. I mean, it's very, I don't know, old-fashioned. I guess he's hes old-fashioned. Well, Definitely old-fashioned. He's a, He's been around for a very long time. We don't know how long. And obviously, the man in black is from a different time and probably from a different social situation than, than Locke was. I mean, in essence... Terry O'Quinn is being another person. He's being a very old person. And that's what I love about seeing him in these scenes. He's, you know, he's being a completely different character. Well, you know, it's funny that you said he's being an old person, though, because what I was about to say is I feel this unlock character is sort of a stunted adolescent. He comes across as a kid who had maybe a strict upbringing. I mean, I guess it all goes back to the conversation with Kate that I had a mom. She was disturbed. She was crazy. Mm. And the way that he lashes out, the way that he's kind of stubborn, but also the way that he kind of feels that people need to behave correctly, just like the way you would kind of scold a child. It almost sounds like, I mean, now I'm beginning to see a dynamic between him and Jacob that's not that's more paternal maybe that's more Jacob is the the paternal figure and he's sort of the you know stubborn child or stubborn yeah. uh, stubborn youth I don't know if that's what it is but something about all of these conversations all together all of these remarks really struck me he does say an interesting line though when Kate when he gets mad at Kate he says I am not a dead person uh-huh so what is he 
Got me. Because he says, you know, I used to be a man like you. I used to have feelings. I used to know what betrayal and love was. But whatever he is, he's not that anymore. If he's not a dead man. He's a living man in another form. He's another man in a dead man's form, <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know. I, so again, sort of strange statements coming out of Unlock, you know, getting offended at the weirdest thing, definitely picking up kind of a petulant teenager here. I mean, mm. it, it almost sounds like the kind of um, random rebuttals that are offered by our kids kids when they're trying to explain <laughs> something that they can although our kids are not that creepy usually usually not that. some of them might be creepy periodically but uh, again you know uh, i thought really curious lines so the conversation that Locke has with kate she says something it's that's weird coming from a dead man and, and Locke says nobody's perfect it reminds me of the scene in the movie highlander do you remember oh, highlander no. i try to forget highlander <laughs> when when christopher lambert is telling his love interest that he's a thousand years old and and all this other stuff and he can't die and she says well nobody's perfect right. it reminded me of that I can I can see that I can see that well also in this episode uh, the population of our island has gone up even more I mean we knew <laughs> Widmore was arriving but he brings with him a lot of new people an and entourage new faces and entourage uh, um, so we meet uh, Zoe you know mm-hmm. this gal with the glasses people are already calling her the evil Tina Fey love it I kind of like that that fits um, and uh, so she's one of Widmore's she, men she's played by Sheila Kelly who I actually know from <laughs> <laughs> some of her other works. We're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> so yeah, Sheila Kelly or Evil Tina Fey, um, new face. And of course, she has these baddies who pop up out of the jungle with guns. And I got to say, they weren't particularly intimidating looking. It's, it, part of it is the, the guy, the, the one in front with the, the bad haircut. You know, uh-huh. his, his name is uh, uh, Fred Kohler. He was a child actor. He was a kid actor. He played one of the sons of uh, Kate and Allie. I'm not sure if it was Kate or Allie in Kate and Allie, the old sitcom. Really? Yeah. So, I don't oh know my if, gosh, I, don't I know didn't know that. It's because he's got a baby face, or I just see a baby face, but not intimidating. Russell in Rally on our blog said basically they look like the chess club got guns. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's the casting. Maybe they've run out of really tough looking dudes. Maybe Kimi wasn't available. Actually, Liz Lemon brought her staff to the island. That's what it is. There you go. There you go. It's the writers from 30 Rock. In any case, so yes, again. And more new people, new faces, and we got a new sub. You know, it's beautiful. not the Galaga. It's beautiful. It's a sleek black submarine. I guess Charles Widmore did not have a problem finding the island, or maybe he got uh, maybe he got a hold of uh, of uh, Eloise Hawking or something to yeah. find her way to the island. But uh, so let's get to that submarine now. Almost awkwardly, Sawyer gets brought in, and he says, "Hey, what are you guys keeping in here? Keep <laughs> moving along." Obviously, they want us to talk about that. So, what's in the locked cabinet? Anthony Cooper. It's another. <laughs> they've done that one. He already came out of the magic box. Uh, my first guess and everyone's first guess was that maybe it's Desmond. I mean, it's going to be a person. Then how about somebody who the the rules don't apply? I mean, whatever is in that cabinet has to cause damage or be a threat to we assume unlock you know uh, mm-hmm. the smoke monster. Is it an object or is it a, a, a person? I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. This is also kind of becoming a cliche for Lost. What's in the box? What's in the guitar case? What's in the hatch? Mm-hmm. You know, we introduce the object and you're going to have to figure out what it is later on. And I don't know. I'm getting a little tired. It's kind of like a friend who always has a knock-knock joke. You know, what is it? You know, what's the punchline? Can we just get to it uh-huh. already? So whatever it is or whoever it is, I like to think that it's a person simply because that's more interesting than a new technology like a sonic weapon that can fight off the smoke monster or some, some sort of magical thing. I think a person would be a lot more interesting. So we got this email from Dara in Annapolis. She pointed out that um, she pointed out about the lock cabinet. You see the front of the cabinet and on the front you see two locks. 
two. Yes, there are two locks on it makes the me locked what, cabinet. It makes me wonder what other kind of visual puns that we've missed. I don't know. I'm not even sure if that was intentional. If it was, it's pretty brilliant. I like that. Well, uh, so Widmore, yes. Widmore is on the sub, and he tells Sawyer, first of all, that I did not kill those people, you know, the people that are in the uh, right. around the plane, mm-hmm. the, the, the pile of bodies, basically. Is he lying? Did he kill those people? Or if not, who killed those people? Well, I don't know. I think he did, but... If he didn't, I think it's actually Widmore's doing. Really? Yeah. So it's definitely his actions and he's lying. The reason why, I mean, I think that especially when Sawyer gets back to the main island and he talks to Unlock and he uh-huh. goes, you're not, you're not surprised by what I found there, you know? I think that the implication is that the smoke monster killed them all. And the uh-huh. other the other you know piece of forensic evidence that they seem to go out of their way to point out is that they're all stacked up in a pile and specifically they're decaying. There are flies buzzing around yeah. them. Now we know that Charles Whitmore just arrived. You know, oh, the last time we saw him, he was out in the water saying, do you want to stop now or not? You know, I, I guess they're going to reach the dock is what their next stop is. There's not enough time, I feel, for, her, for them to have docked, gotten out, killed the people, dragged them from the plane to the pile um, before anything else, and, and yeah, all that's of that had happened. But the other jarring thing about that conversation was the line about the bodies being in a ditch. I don't think the bodies were in a ditch. Uh, no, were they, they weren't. They're, they, out, they're in the jungle, but they're piled up on the ground. Yeah, there's yeah, there's not any kind of a hole. No. So for at first, I was thinking maybe is he talking about the Dharma Initiative body pit where Ben almost you know killed Locke and all uh-huh. that? But I think maybe when they wrote the script that Zoe was supposed to have put all of the bodies in the ditch, and maybe they just didn't have time to dig a ditch. Mm. I don't know, but uh, a, a confusing line. So um, Sawyer make, makes a deal with him to help him kill unlock, but he's very ambiguous in that conversation. So do you think that Widmore is on the island to get or kill Unlock or the smoke monster? He's there to take the island back by any means necessary. And I think if that includes killing Unlock, then he will do that. Well, they brought the sonic fence. You know, they brought those pylons. So clearly they know about the smoke monster and they are setting up a defensive position against it. So that's, I think, a fair clue that he's not on the side of the smoke monster, at least. He's not on Unlock's side. But I don't know if he's like allied with Jacob. I think you're right. I think he's basically there to exploit the island like he always was. Yeah, I don't ascribe any um, humanitarian motives to him. I mean, I don't think he's pure evil, but I don't think he's there to help either. So, Well, I don't think he's on the level of Jacob or, you know, the man in black. I mean, his we we understood him as a nemesis of Ben. Right. He, maybe he's there for Ben, but we now know that Ben is probably not the big baddie that Widmore expects to kind of come up, come across on the island. Right. So in terms of the overall arc of the story and what's going on on Lost and the conflicts that are going on, I just don't know where Widmore fits when the opposing force for him used to be Ben, mm-hmm. but that doesn't seem to be what the conflict is that they're building. So very, very curious. Anything else uh, on the island uh, stood out to you? Well, Sawyer climbs into a canoe, and I, know, I don't know about you, but all I could think of is we still haven't seen the other half of that shootout right you're right anytime a canoe shows up you're like who's going to be in the canoe and do they are they going to have a gun and why would they be chasing someone else or another bunch of people in the canoe but unfortunately no we haven't seen it but i do think now that we've got a lot of this transport going on between the islands our chances are getting greater that we're going to see the other half of that to me the thud moment of this episode just sucked the air out of the room and was not the thud moment i wanted it to be because it's not the reveal that sawyer is playing them against each other and he wants to get off the island but that they're going to take the sub and not the plane. And the way that he puts it is almost like, you know, Kate goes, how are you possibly going to fly a plane? He's like, don't worry, we'll take the sub. 
Like, yeah. can you fly? Can you pilot a sub? Is I would not even begin to know how to pilot a sub. <laughs> is it significantly easier than flying a plane? I mean, I, don't know. I can't figure out. At first, I thought, okay, well, he doesn't know Frank is on the island, right. so he doesn't know there's still a pilot for the plane. So he's thinking, well, we can take the sub because there are people on the sub, and we can get them to do what we want. Just like, uh, just like at the end of season five, you know, basically Juliet got the pilot of the sub to take them back. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what he meant, but just, some, just somehow the logic didn't make sense to me and so i when the when the black thud happened i was like wait what but <laughs> that's just me well we've gone on quite a bit good golly i, I guess we really did miss doing our full podcast but uh, before we go we normally cover a few regular points there were th- at least three books in this episode they were all on sawyer's dresser in fact um watership down which is the book that boone and sawyer were fighting over um a wrinkle in time which appeared in the other sawyer flashback confidence man and lancelot which um sawyer was reading on the beach in the episode maternity leave so i thought it was interesting that they brought new books back i mean they have all of these opportunities to give us brand new books, but here they're sort of reinforcing these books that were on the island. Well, symmetry, you know? We know that Sawyer was reading them. Right, I guess that's basically the point of it. Um, And as far as the filming locations for this episode, uh, the police station was uh, inside the Walter Murray Gibson building. That's the old Honolulu Police Department building in downtown. Also the same office where uh, Jack got bailed out of prison by By Sarah Sarah and where they were outside of as well. So that building um, getting a repeat appearance. Uh, The fancy restaurant where uh, Sawyer went on his date was Diamond Head Grill that was at the uh, Lotus Hotel. It was formerly the W Hotel, mm-hmm. but still a very swank establishment that you can actually go to. And uh, the scene with the car crash and Kate going running, um, the car crash was at the corner of Baratania and Fort Street, mm-hmm. and we covered that in a previous podcast. I even uh, got some video that I posted online and played the audio clip here on our podcast, so that was kind of good to finally see. You could even see the Hawaii Pacific University sort of logo in the background, but you didn't understand what it was probably. And uh, the alley where she runs down and uh, they chase her. That's the same alley where uh, Michael and Tom Friendly met. And, you know, Michael tried to kill himself. Oh, right. So that's the exact same alley. So that was kind of curious. And where Sawyer does grab Kate and throws her up against uh, the gate, uh, that was by Mercury Bar. Mm-hmm. It's also sort of a narrow lane. And that's the exact same lane where Jack goes into the tattoo parlor in everyone's favorite episode, Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh, so they, they basically worked all around that area by HP. Oh, and finally, someone did ask where the giant plane is and if it actually exists. And as Mm I reported previously, yes, it's an actual giant set that they built outdoors out of wood. Very impressive. I mean, I, I still think it was a little small for the plane and the wings. Didn't quite sell it, but really for the amount of time that they had and the amount of uh, construction that went into it, a lot of great work by the set building department. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you know, a a great location and always good to see how Hawaii turns up on the show. So those are our thoughts on Recon, the eighth episode of season six. Up next, we'll get to your thoughts and theories and you all, everybody. Ryan and Jen, what's up? John from North Carolina. And, um, uh, that's a holy freaking crap, but it's just how good these episodes are, man. It's like the return of the character season. Like, the last few episodes have been really character-driven, and I'm loving it. I really love Sawyer's uh, flash sideways of him being a cop rather than him being a criminal. I think that's really cool. I think it was cool to see Charlotte and um, Liam... And I think, like, like this Flash Sideways and, like, last week's Flash Sideways is better because last week Alex was, like, you know, important to the Flash Sideways. She wasn't just, like, Rose popping up out of nowhere 
or like Hurley sidekick popping out of nowhere. Um, Island side of things, Island stuff was great. Um, I thought Locke was brilliant this episode. I thought Sawyer was really, really good. I actually liked I actually liked Kate this episode too. Kate wasn't too bad. Saeed is creeping me out. Ever since he gave them that look and again this night with his looks, it was just like this dude is in trouble. Like he's about he, he's gonna cause something coming up. It wasn't like oh it was like it wasn't like craziness. It wasn't like a crazy episode. But it was really good. It was a really good character episode. And um Ryan, I hope you guys fun on your uh, trip. And uh, it'll be great to get back to those long, extended, detailed podcasts. And I can't wait to hear what y'all think. But uh, I'll talk to y'all next week. And we kick off you all, everybody, once again with our friend John from North Carolina. A lot of good thoughts there. Not a crazy episode, but a good character episode. We now hear from Mario, Shana, and Barry. Ryan and Jen. Hey, it's Mario calling from Houston. And just got watching, uh, just watching Recon. And today, I think for this season, this is my favorite episode that we've had so far. The pacing, the information, uh, the reveals, it was really great. Now, from the very first, the psych out with Sawyer, you know, I wanted to believe that he also was different in the side, sideways or the flash sideways. And sure enough, they had me going for a second that maybe he was playing the same old con again, but the pigeon drop, but sure enough, you know, we've got, you know, the last season of Loss coming to play where he's not doing that. Uh, but overall, I mean, just back to back, you know, going through the whole episode, there's so much layers there. I'm sure you guys will go through it. The one thing I kind of noticed though was that, you know, up to now we've had a lot of these side flashes kind of show some kind of redemption or some kind of reconciliation with the characters. What's strange is that for, for Sawyer, he starts off the episode telling Jim that no matter what happens, he's not leaving the island without Sun after their conversation. But then at the very end, he tells Kate that he's out just for, looking out just for him and her, and that all he wants to do is make sure that they get off the island. So he's got some of that duality going on where it seems like he's still that same con man, regardless of what happened in the site. Uh, flash and him being a good guy and all that. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. And I'm curious to see what you guys have to say. Have a good one. Hey, Ryan and Jen. It's Shana in Alaska. Just calling about tonight's episode. I really loved it. Uh, feels like they were on top of their game tonight. But I think the main theme I felt um, for this episode was the more things change, the more they stay the same. There's the obvious that, uh, you know, Sawyer still wants to kill uh, Anthony Cooper, even though he's living a better a better life, I guess, and Kate's still on the run, regardless of which timeline we're talking about. Um, but I really liked Sawyer as a cop, but even more than that, I loved Miles. He was so different uh, from his normal kind of annoying self. Um, he, it was great acting, and I guess it really made a difference having his dad there, um, you know, from the way that he was to the way he is in the, in the Flash Sideways. And I was wondering, is he like Mr. Sharkhead? Is he a medium? Is that why he's a cop? It's kind of weird. Um, there was a couple annoying things. Um, why has Kate still not told Claire that Aaron is with her mom? Pretty important information. Um, and then at the end, they had me. I was I was off, I was on board with Sawyer, you know, double conning or whatever it's called. But then we can't fly a plane, Kate. So we're gonna drive a submarine. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Compared to flying a plane, I'm sure the submarine is just, you know, just a walk in the park. So those are my thoughts. Uh, I'll be listening to your podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. Um, 
let me start off by saying, holy freaking crap, was that the worst episode of Lost this season or what? I am just really angry after watching this episode um, for a number of reasons. First off, the Flash Sideways did absolutely nothing to advance anything in the story whatsoever. So, Flash Sideways aside, um, my other main beef with this episode, uh, Jen, I know you are not a big Kate fan, and after this episode, I am so in your corner on this one. Not once, not twice, but three times she gets completely bamboozled, duped by people, and she just sits there and goes, okay, whatever you say, I'll believe you. You can't throw out a clunker like this when you only have nine episodes left. I mean, you've got to advance the story somewhat. I mean, it did nothing. You, story is a con artist. Kate's stupid. What, did I miss something in this episode? So thanks a lot for your podcast. Love it. Love what you do. And we will keep listening, especially I will keep listening, I should say. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Mahalo for those calls. So Mario from Houston making a good point. Who is Sawyer lying to, Jin or Kate? I, I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell with Sawyer. I, I think he's probably more, I mean, I look at it this way. He knows Jin better than he knows Kate. I mean, he's he was with Kate for three months. He was in the Dharma Initiative with Jin for three years. Yeah, I definitely felt there was some loyalty there at the start of the episode, but then he's sort of saying, Kate, you and me are getting off the island. And, you know, he called her freckles, and there's sort of the whole dressing that we didn't even want to get into, the whole skater stuff. So, you know, I don't know. Somebody's definitely getting the short end of the stick. Shayna in Alaska, I th- I'm glad to see, you know, also felt that it was ridiculous to think that a submarine <laughs> is easy to steal. But what did we already cover this? Why did... You know, has not Kate told Claire that not only is your son safe, but, you know, she, she he's with your mom. Everything should be OK. I don't know, because as far as Claire knows, her mom is still in a coma. Right. Right. But then Kate doesn't know that either. So that wouldn't that she um, wouldn't be holding that back. But, you know, again, something about lost. Nobody has all of the information that they need. And finally, Barry in Wisconsin thought it was the worst episode this season. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, what was the worst episode this season? I don't know. But this wasn't it. Well, I, you, I agree, though, that there's sort of this frantic that you want you want forward momentum at this point there can be no dilly dallying and i have to admit there were some points on this island on this on the island as they're making camp and sitting and waiting for something yeah. to happen that it seemed like they were spinning their wheels so i definitely feel that frustration but not a fan of kate so definitely in your <laughs> camp I, I don't know i mean i i thought she was okay in this episode she basically i don't i didn't see her as going along with everything but she just seemed astonished surprised and perplexed by everything and i think kate's better at that than being you know really trying to be sneaky or trying to be a player yeah you know, I have when she's to lost and confused that. that's probably her natural state our next calls are from michael chris and courtney hey guys this is michael from fort worth uh, i was just getting done uh doing my second rewatch now of recon um thought the episode was a little slow a little sluggish actually i just rated just above what kate does as far as interest um the sideways stories just weren't really that interesting to me um Miles just really wasn't believable as to why he was all over um, Sawyer's case about everything and just just didn't come across as realistic. Um, also, uh, didn't much care for a lot of the camera work. I uh, thought there were way too many close-up facial shots, and that really irked me this episode. Um, story-wise, though, uh, all in all, it was okay. Um, the scene with uh, Fakelock and Kate uh, was pretty interesting. Got a little um, sort of reveal there maybe about his history. Um, anyway, guys, uh, looking forward to hearing the podcast, and keep up the good work. Hey, guys, this is Chris from Plano, Texas, and I'm calling for the Transmission Podcast. 
Um, this is a pretty cool episode tonight. Um, one of the things that was really interesting was Smokey says that he has mommy issues. And last week, we spent a decent amount of time at the beginning of the episode talking about Napoleon. And Ben was talking about Napoleon and how Napoleon's greatest tragedy was being trapped on the island. Not, he still got to retain his title, but he was able to stay on the island. Um, which seems to be an interesting parallel to Smokey, and now he's drawn yet another parallel to himself, because it turns out, after poking around the Internet here, Napoleon's mother, Letizia Romolino, um, was a very domineering and controlling mom. Uh, she would bathe her kids once a day, and she was very tyrannical, and it never sat well with Napoleon, and she ended up actually surviving him. Um, so interesting connection uh, might be something they're going to develop on going in the future. All right, thanks, guys. Love the show. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Courtney from Sarasota, Florida. I guess you can call me the hopeless romantic. I have two comments. Number one, I really was digging how Sawyer's character had progressed and how he had made this beautiful relationship with Juliet. In this last episode, we get him flirting with Kate and picking up the dress, and that really upset me. <clears throat> I think the writers, you know, wanted to call us back to the time when they were both stuck in the cage together. But he could have just glanced at the dress and smirked and moved along. No, he had to pick it up and touch the dress. And it just that really annoyed me because Juliet just died. Um, number two, I have this terrible feeling, and I keep mentioning it every episode, that Jen and Son will never be reunited. It would, you know, writing-wise, it would be beautiful, but it's just going to break my heart. I feel like they're going to just barely miss each other or one of them's going to die right before the other one gets there, and it's just going to break my heart, and I'm really hoping I'm wrong. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Bye. Thanks for those calls. Well, Michael in Fort Worth, sort of in Barry's camp, thinking that the episode was a little slow, but he mm-hmm. found a few things interesting there. Now, Chris from Plano, uh, I like the parallels possibly with Napoleon's mom. I didn't even know that story. Yeah, well, that's it's really interesting, and it does go with your whole thought about the man in black being kind of a big kid. Well, the thing about the difference is, though, you know, tyrannical and bossy and controlling is a little different than crazy and disturbed individual. Maybe not, but well, not uh, to a little kid. I guess. I guess that's true. I think maybe every kid, our kids, certainly think that we're crazy. <laughs> and finally, Courtney from Sarasota, uh, definitely picking up on the ridiculousness of the skater moments, the dress fondling. God, I mean, if just, they go there now, just shoot me. I know he just said goodbye to Juliet. His most wrenching scene. He thank blows, you. He blows I know. her off completely on the dock. You know, like go back to the temple. I don't. I want nothing to do with you. And now he's all freckles. Mm. Uh, I don't. Um, yes, we're just getting ourselves upset. Do you think Sun and Jin are? going to be kept apart though well like she said it would be kind of beautiful but very depressing i don't know lost sometimes you i'm waiting for lost that to really shock me on certain things things like this it seems the simplest solution is the one they give us and they can't be setting up i need to find my husband i need to find my wife if that's not going to happen it's a little annoying and repetitive but i'm going to vote that it's going to happen mm. we now hear from will rachel and kyle hey ryan hey jen um this is will third time caller long time listener I uh, just came up with another theory for Lost. Um, I realized everyone who has either done something bad or evil in the past is now um, going with the anti-Locke or the anti-Jacob. I mean, and uh, everyone who's done basically everything good is is you know with Jacob, like Son. Son has never really done anything that bad, so she's obviously with Jacob. But Sawyer and Kate and Saeed, who've all done criminal acts or evil things in their past, are now going with the anti-Jacob to get off the island. I just thought, you know, there's obviously a connection there. Evil people 
obviously being with the evil person and everyone who's been good has basically followed Jacob so far. So, uh, love to hear a response and, uh, keep making more podcasts. Hey guys, um, I have a, I guess, stemming theory. Um, this is Rachel calling from Albuquerque. Um, it's a theory about, um, the flash sideways and what's going on now on the island. Um, but what if both of them are happening simultaneously and somehow at the end, um, whoever wins, whether it's Jacob or the man in black, uh, each person will be able to decide which life they want to lead, whether it's the life that's come to fruition on um, the flash sideways or just to continue on on the island. Anyway, that's just my thought. Um, So like to see what you hear about it. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. Quick thought here. When I was watching the show the other night, Smokey made mention of a crazy mother, and it got me to start thinking that maybe uh, uh, the smoke monster is actually an amalgamation of all the dead people ever on the island who weren't buried, and he was speaking uh, from Alex's point of view. Uh, this is Kyle from Baton Rouge. It's a quick thought. Love the show. Woohoo! Woohoo! Mahalo for those calls. So, Will, uh, with a theory that sounds really simple that all of the bad people are going with Unlock and all of the good people are going with Jacob. I don't know. It just. Nothing on this show is ever that simple. And I mean, there are too many characters that are kind of ambiguous. I mean, Sun. Sun created the life that led to all the things that happened between her and Jin, but I don't think she's inherently bad. Right. So who does she go with? Well, so we know that Jack and Hurley are with um, Jacob so far, uh so I guess if you can say maybe they're good people, possibly Jack, I I suppose, hasn't necessarily murdered anyone. He's been prideful and stubborn, but that's not, you know, that's not really awful. So on the other side, we've got Claire, Saeed, and Kate. Saeed and Kate, yes, they were criminals. How how is Claire a bad person? uh, yeah. Apart from getting stuck, you know, in in a, in a situation of circumstance and and possibly dying and becoming taken over with this great darkness. So, I don't know though. That's certainly one interesting way to think about it. Rachel suggesting that the end of the series will be all of the characters on the island getting the opportunity to get the lives that we see them living in the Flash. Sideways. I like that. You know, the idea of a choice. But I'm wondering how is it that they would choose and how would they depict that. Right, I mean, how would they know that that's the life that they got? Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how it would be explained narratively. To me, the simplest explanation is the one that we've been talking about the most, which is that the Flash Sideways is actually the denouement of the entire of what's happening. It's what happens after the great conflict. And thank mm-hmm. you, by the way, to everybody who told me how to pronounce denouement. Now I'll <laughs> never, never, ever forget that. And finally, <laughs> Kyle suggesting that uh, the smoke monster is channeling the dead on the island, and in this case Alex, who could certainly have something to say about crazy mothers. Yeah, but there there were a lot of crazy mothers. Right, even Locke had a crazy mom. Yeah. So in fact, the question with that scene for a lot of people was, is Unlock talking about Locke's mom or is Unlock talking about Man in Black's crazy mom? So. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking that the voice of the man in Black the I'm thinking the voice of Locke is purely the man in black. I'm I'm thinking Well except you got the, you know, don't tell me what I can't do. You get little flashes of Locke in there. So that's true. I'm not really fully willing to say that he's completely gone. I should note that Carol in Boston had a great post on the blog about all of the mommy issues on the show and of, and of course there have been quite a few. Oh, you know, yeah. right up to Daniel being shot by his own mom. So a lot of good stuff there. Well, we've got time for I think two more calls. Who we've got? That would be Ben and Randy. Hi, uh, this is Ben in Fort Smith, uh, Arkansas. I just wanted to um, make an observation. 
uh, I thought this is out there, but I thought maybe uh, Jacob could be uh, Smokey's dad. A lot of daddy issues, and then also I noticed that the real lock used Sawyer to kill his own father, and the pseudo lock Smokey used Ben to kill Jacob. But I mean that's just coincidence. Uh, anyway, enjoy the podcast and uh, looking forward to more. Bye. Hey, it's Randy, uh, first-time caller. You know, I couldn't get over a lot talking about the black smoke, and I almost got that feeling like in the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston about how uh, death comes and passes over certain houses that have the blood of the lamb and other houses that didn't believe they lose their firstborn. Kind of almost like the smoke monster separating the group. Anyway, that's just my thought. Thanks. Thanks for those calls. So Ben also kind of picking up a paternal thing going on with Jacob and the man in black. He also notes that both versions of Locke use other people to kill somebody else. Right, and you know, killing your own dad. Maybe that's part of the test or part of what really has to happen on this island. So again, more evidence on that particular theory. And Randy just sort of saying that the smoke monster reminds him of uh, the the judging in the uh, the Ten Commandments. Good call. Yeah. Well, we, we when we first meet the smoke monster, it's doing a it's we say it's doing a judging thing. Either yeah. you're a good or a bad person. Or as it turns out, and as we see in this episode, in fact, either you're of use to him or you're not, right. i.e. Mr. Echo or now the people in the temple. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not a defensive action thing going on there. But good calls. We love all the calls on the last line, but we do want to share a lot of our written comments. So Baker writes, this was about a single notch above what Kate does, I think. What saved it is the fact that Josh Holloway can really, truly act. It was nice to see Charlotte again. I like seeing Miles do something other than wisecrack, but there was no real surprise prize in the on island so- story for Sawyer. Anyone who has watched the show knows that Sawyer is a servant to no man, even one who promises to finally get him off the island. Right. Stacy in North Carolina writes, I enjoyed the episode, but this business of everybody crossing everybody else's path in the sideways flashes is getting old. I did think it was hilarious to see Sawyer watching Little House on the Prairie, and I think I like confused Kate way more than flaky Kate. I'm a bit overwhelmed about all the sides of the upcoming battle. I'm sure Widmore is not on Jacob's side, and he doesn't seem to be on Man in Black's side either, and I don't think he's enough of a force of nature on his own to be on the same level as either of those guys. See, I, I'm i not tired of the crossovers yet because I think everybody's LA story is going to converge. And really, they were showing them crossing each other's paths in their past during the flashbacks in season one. So there is sort of a loop or a cycle to what they're doing here. Blue Dog 1121 writes, I liked this episode fine. It was pretty solid. The more I think about it, the more I liked it. Not earth shattering or anything, but it was okay. I do agree with those who said there was too much Sawyer sex. (laughs) I like Josh Holloway with his shirt off as much as any woman, but I like him with it on too. And I have to say that he and Charlotte, no thanks. I've heard so many people saying over this season there are afraid of all their questions won't be answered and I always think have faith people the big stuff will be revealed but now I can join the ranks of the freaked because that sideways world just keeps bringing up more questions. I can definitely sense the sort of rising panic as we reach the end of the series (laughs) there. Lucy Dog writes I may be in the minority but fabulous episode. I just lost it when they had the extended little house on the prairie clip. Uh I think that was either the episode where Pa has to put down Laura's horse Bunny or when Laura wishes her baby brother dies and he does die 
what the oh, and he said and she asks god to take her instead either episode is a complete weeper with pa talking about heaven and all poor sad sawyer i think the sideways world is so interesting and i'm fascinated about how the sideways world came to be i didn't know little house was such a barrel of laughs i didn't know the kid died spoiler alert oh <laughs> man now i feel like crying too rich in cleveland writes lost is on a roll and gaining momentum as far as i'm concerned recon is filled with irony symbolism and juxtaposition beginning with its title the central question of this episode does james ford have the capacity to change at first blush he seems he has chosen to follow the alternate path of one who is guided by law rather than subverting it and yet he maintains his unyielding quest for vengeance what exactly did he do in australia to obtain the name anthony cooper charlotte's repudiation says it all James had a chance, but let his nature prevail. Well, that is kind of curious. I mean, I'm not sure. It is, it's very ambiguous how Sawyer is turning out so far off the island yeah. in the flash sideways. But when he asked the question, what did he do to get the information? I'm beginning to think, is it possible that Sawyer already killed the wrong person in Australia before returning back as a police officer? Oh. I don't know. I mean, the way that he's distracted, the way that he's kind of really out of sorts in dealing with Miles, I think that might be caused by something really traumatic happening in Australia. Well, actually, no, but he also could sleep with a woman as part of a sting operation. I don't know. Uh, D- Danielle in Pennsylvania writes, I am not a huge Kate fan, but I completely felt her pain when she was crying following the Claire attack. Throughout her life, she has done things because she thought she was helping others, only to realize when it all fell down that she was really only thinking about herself. Perhaps seeing how Claire had to live on the island by herself, missing that beautiful baby boy, Kate will see her selfishness. Perhaps she will be redeemed soon by sacrificing her own happiness for someone else's. Very good do you think there's redemption for kate i think there's redemption for everybody it's definitely going to revolve around aaron though michael from st Clair shores michigan writes the smoke monster unlock had a hard time smiling at kate at the end of his little pep talk as if he couldn't show compassion easily and when the smoke monster was talking to kate about his mother and how crazy she was and eventually led to aaron and claire's comparison to me it seemed as if he was just trying to con her so that whole story is still just trying to mess with kate i mean the, the theory is that he wants to keep claire and aaron separated, that it is in Unlock's interest, the man in black's interest, to not have Aaron raised by Claire, you know, have the baby raised by another. So that's certainly one way to read it. I like that he pointed out that Locke's face almost seemed a little broken when he's trying to give Kate a reassuring smile, but he just can't get it quite right and i, I had hadn't noticed that and i had mentioned again that he didn't seem to really believe the words that were coming out of his mouth when he talks about you know it's kill or be killed and right. i don't want to be killed there's definitely something funky going on with unlock jen in scotland writes i was really skeptical when they introduced new characters with zoe and company and was relieved to see that they were with widmore and not just another random group of people who were going to become tied up in the war i definitely don't want any new characters hopefully future episodes won't focus too much on these guys i'm just more interested in the characters we already have. The scene between Locke and Claire was definitely my favorite of the episode. Both Terry and Emily are doing a top-notch job this season, and watching them interact is wonderful. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Melissa in Cleveland writes, After last week, I was convinced Widmore was there to help unlock. Now, I don't think so. Crazy Claire and despondent Saeed make me very sad. Unlock being all sharing with Kate felt awkward. He's like a sad little boy. Mostly, it just made me miss the other losties and long for the days when they were all together. Hopefully those days will soon be here again and they will not have to fight amongst themselves. Leave that to Smokey Jacob Widmore, folks. Much as I might be alone in this, I still want a happy ending. This show has been about hope and redemption for me from episode one. That's the ending I'm waiting for. 
Well, you know, I like the idea that we are seeing redemption and sort of that sort of coming around maybe with Ben, for example, that there are some happy endings maybe. But if Lost is going to be the daring show that we want it to be, there's definitely going to be some tragedy, some darkness oh, yeah, there there has in to the be. story. Now, the thing about our, our Losties, you know, hopefully being together again and not fighting each other, that's an, that's ideal. But I think what they've clearly set us up for is that people that we know and love are going to be end up on opposite sides of these war, this yeah. war, and it's not going to turn out well for everybody. John writes, It now seems clear that Widmore is working against Unlock. Whether that means he's working for Jacob remains to be seen, although I think he is. I continue to believe that Ben was seduced by the Man in Black long ago. Ben has done more than anyone else to get Man in Black in the position of power that he currently enjoys. Ben Ben kills Locke, creating a body for Man in Black. Ben kills Jacob. It was Ben who removed Widmore from the island. It was Ben who called out the smoke monster to take out the freighter mercenaries. The idea that Widmore is bad is based mostly on Ben's own assertions to the Losties that he is. Other than that, he's been a bit of a jerk in regards to Desmond and a bit ruthless in trying to take out Ben. Is there anything that is clearly inconsistent with him being on the side of Jacob? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I certainly have never felt that Widmore was uh, was an all evil person, and and you know, as has been pointed out, Ben has been responsible for significantly higher body count than Widmore. I has. mean, I don't think Widmore is a nice guy, no, no. but I don't think he's evil. And Dave in Janesville, Wisconsin, kind of made a very similar case for uh, basically Widmore and Unlock uh, being on opposite sides. Carol from Boston writes, "I am off Team Dark now. Whoa. The Man in Black hitting Claire was a last straw. <laughs> I do like the Man in Black actually answers questions." questions for the most part but he is like an abusive person who does horrible things and then says sorry but it was for your own good i can't say i'm on team jacob either i am now on team sawyer which means just get off the damn island already let jacob and the man in black and Widmore fight it out amongst themselves well i'm not sure if we ever declared sides are you on you know on jacob's side on dark side i'm on neither side you're on neither side so i guess maybe sawyer i mean basically i'm on the side of whatever gets our characters together so they can interact in some interesting and intriguing ways before the end of the series for crying yes. out loud. Lone Stare writes, I enjoyed the Flash Sideways more than the Island storyline. Sawyer was much more believable back in L.A. Island Sawyer in this episode seems unnaturally detached from the recently grieving Sawyer that was left branded in our minds just a few episodes ago. Maybe it's because he's got a clean pair of boxers? Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Maybe calling Kate Freckles a first in quite a while is a sign of healing? I wonder if they'll reconnect romantically. No. <laughs> no. Please let it be over. Casey Bob writes, Obviously, Sawyer is a character with an easy way of finding willing sexual partners. However, in the island scene where he finds Kate's dress and is reminded of their tryst in the cage, I think we're being shown that Kate was indeed special to him, an ally he could trust when he was trapped. With his grief over losing Juliet, he had lost sight of her importance, but regained that insight coming upon those cages, which is why after sending her away a few episodes back, this episode finds him hatching a plan which includes her escape as well as his own. That's a nice try, but but uh, he knew Juliet for three years yeah. and knew Kate for just a few months, for example. And th again, he was also loyal to Jin because of the time in the Dharma Initiative. Why is he basically or just trying to one help? One would hope Kate maybe again? he's maybe he's just that selfish. I don't know. I, I I guess that could be the turn that he's taken, and that makes him interesting this season, as we had predicted or hoped early on. But if he is that selfish, why is he still being chummy with Kate? I don't. Know. I just can't explain it. Pam writes, "I am." very curious about the growing pains that Man in Black mentioned. He keeps talking about being trapped on the island. Has he been held on the island as a prisoner because of things that he did during those growing pains? Was Jacob his jailer? Does he pose a danger to the outside world if he leaves the island? Maybe the island is one big timeout. Uh, for... <laughs> 
<laughs> and so Jacob is not there to protect the island, but to keep the man in black on the island. I mean, I'm, until I'm, he cleans his room. Well, because if he's a threat, why would you keep him on the island if you're trying to protect that? I don't know though. A, a nice thought. A nice thought. Finally, Frank in Colorado writes: If the locks, aka the smoke monsters, plan is really to get off the island using the Ajira plane, then how neat is it that the smoke monster put Ben on the path of joining the others by appearing as his deceased mother? Ben got the others to build a runway, maybe under the instruction of the smoke monster masquerading as Jacob. The Ajira flight crash lands but in decent shape on the runway could his long-term plan have been to get a plane to the island you know the kind of pointing out all of the places where ben was enacting the plan to make that a safe landing for the plane that's kind of interesting yeah certainly there was a great pursuit for the loophole but maybe again the plan to bring a plane to the island was also hatched way back definitely a great observation there frank well as always we enjoyed every thought you shared with us even though we could only include some of it in this podcast already as we record a little early this weekend we've got over 200 comments on the blog despite the fact that we didn't even chime in there so (laughs) that shows how smart everybody is you all everybody is our favorite part of the show so don't forget to join the conversation after the episode on Tuesday night you can post your thoughts on the blog at hawaiiapp.com slash lost and yes we will write a post this yes. week email us at lost at hawaiiapp.com or call the lost line 815-310-0808 we're halfway through the season now so we need your help to survive the home stretch absolutely now coming up in about three minutes the forward cabin but for First, once again, a musical treat from the Others Lost Band. This is their latest track based on last week's fantastic episode, Dr. Linus, and this track is titled Try Another Stick. Napoleon was exiled to Elba in 
That was Try Another Stick, the latest song from The Others Lost Band. They're a great band out of Boston that writes a song based on each new episode of Lost. To find out more, hear more music, or subscribe to their transmissions, you can go to theothers.thethungs.com. And of course, we'll also have a link to them in our show notes on the blog. So now we turn our gaze forward. What's coming up on Lost? The episode is titled Ab Eterno, and the synopsis reads, Richard Alpert faces a difficult choice. Well, that seems pretty straightforward, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely a Richard Alpert episode, one Yay! that uh, we've been looking forward to quite a bit. And what does uh, ab eterno mean, the Latin phrase? It means since the beginning of time or since a very long time ago. Well, that's definitely a story we want to hear about the island. Oh, yeah. Well, that's this upcoming episode, number nine, but right here on the island, production is still ongoing for the last few hours of Lost. So let's get on to the filming reports. I know we haven't had a forward cabin for a while. I mean, I was in Austin last week and in Phoenix the week before, but Lost Production has, of course, marched on, and I'm going to catch you up as best as I can. But I should note that uh, the production crew has been much more cautious lately as we move into these final hours of production, and sightings have been more rare, security is tighter, and information is a little light. And frankly, I, I should I have to mention that uh, I got word uh, a couple of weeks ago that there's been a you know, just sort of an unpleasant group of fans kind of rampaging around town. They've been rude and kind of giving the crew a hard time, and it always galls me to kind of hear about that. The crew works very hard. They're nearing the end of a very long gig. Some of them are still trying to figure out what they're going to be doing next. So I, I guess I just want to start off by saying that the crew, the security staff, everybody who works on the show are very, they're great people. And as long as you're good to them, they're good to you. And really, along with our fellow fans, after Lost, I'm going to be missing them uh, quite a bit as they move on to hopefully bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, come to think of it, I'm going to miss the forward cabin because this is probably one of the last forward cabins we're going to have. Good. So, <laughs> yes, and finally Jen can stop being spoiled because then it'll be the end of the series and there's really not much else to spoil. In any case, where did we leave off? Well, at the start of the month, they did a lot of filming in the Waihe'e Valley Watershed. It's a nature preserve that's uh, very popular with hikers, but pretty protected from the general public, which I'm sure was the point. Fortunately, my friend Jeff is a regular hiker there, and though he didn't see any filming, he did get to watch them set up over a few days, and he sent sort of a description of the set work that they did. Basically, they took over a swimming hole there that's fed by a small waterfall in uh, Waihe'e Stream, and they installed very large fake rocks around a, a large hidden pipe so they basically looked like the waterfall was coming out of a rock tunnel or a spring of some sort. They placed some real ferns in those fake rocks and added some large branches to one side of the pool and then they installed a filming platform above the swimming hole and basically crisscrossed the jungle there with power lines, generators, a couple of cranes and he said that they left the, 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 the trail in a bit of a mess, but they've been very good about, about remediating and re repairing that kind of stuff. So hopefully they're, they're going to be doing that. He didn't get to see any filming, as I said, but there was, this was definitely during production of episode 15, which, as you may know, is almost entirely devoted to the history of Jacob and the man in black. Also that week, a friend of a friend named Chris ran into them at Judd Trail along old Nu'uanu Pali Road. Now, again, this is a frequent jungle and stream location on Lost. This time, they were beyond the banyan trees there near a thicket of bamboo, and it was again a scene with Jacob and the man in black. Jacob was there wearing a tan shirt with kind of a ruffled collar and dark brown pants, and the man in black was wearing a kind of long black tunic, almost kind of a dress, and dirty brown knee-length shorts. And basically, they set off some smoke machines to add an eerie feel to the scene and in the scene jacob 
basically had the man in black in a headlock and was dragging him through the forest. So some kind of confrontation there, and the man in black did look a little bit beat up and bloodied up in that scene. Meanwhile, on the west side of the island, Lost was filming out at Ko'olina. It's a resort and marina out past Barber's Point on the uh, Eva side of the island. In one scene, they used one of the resort's famous beach coves. They cleared it out of rocks and stuff and then basically filmed Kate and Sawyer basically walking into the lagoon and Sawyer was carrying a rifle. Then uh, more cast members turned up and they actually got aboard a boat. It was, in fact, the Elizabeth and uh, we had Kate and Sawyer there plus Jack, Hurley, Claire, and Son, and perhaps even Frank as well on the boat. They took the boat out and basically filmed several scenes off the coast. Uh, Unfortunately, they had to periodically stop because tour boats were kind of hovering around. No idea what the scene was, but there was definitely some kind of confrontation or serious conversation between Jack and Sawyer. And uh, thanks to Sam, Doug, and Blue Dog 1121 a common commenter there for their reports. I should also mention that Sam went by the film studio on Diamond Head that weekend and swears that he saw Evangeline Lilly and Elizabeth Mitchell on the lot Yay! that weekend. Not confirmed, but again, yes, any Juliet sighting is good news to us. The following week, they started on the windward side at Waimanalo Beach Park, and uh, that's our favorite stretch of shore here yep, on the island. Uh, basically, tourists are afraid of it, so it's great for locals and people who want to get away from the crowd. In any case, several scenes were filmed there, perhaps covering several years. First, a scene with a pregnant woman with dark curly hair and wearing a dark brown dress, and she was filmed limping away from the beach. The next scene, there was a uh, 10 to 13 year old boy in a black sleeveless vest and black wristband. So yes, that's our young man in black, or the boy in black. And in the scene, he runs out to the water's edge. Uh, He looks around and finds a silver or maybe grayish blue box. It's about the length of a shoebox, but maybe not quite as tall. Basically, he grabs it and carries it back inland. No idea what it was, but you know, if the scene was taking place in 23 AD, like the scenes that we reported on in our last podcast, it definitely seems out of place to have a sleek metal box there. I'm very curious what it might be. What's in the box? Again. Uh, (laughs) Finally, they filmed a scene with young Jacob and the young man in black, and they were playing backgammon among the trees. Yes, our favorite board game on Lost. The woman from earlier was there, but uh, of course not pregnant anymore, and now she was uh, kind of wearing a long-flowing coral or maybe orange dress. Uh, She calls out to them, and the young man in black stands up, brushes off some sand, and basically jogs over. And uh, thanks to Paul, Sam, and again, Blue Dog 1121 for their report from that scene. Okay, though, uh, we'll move into possible foiler territory here for a moment, though, because Paul, who I just mentioned, also had a long conversation with a crew member, and uh, he had a lot of stuff to say, almost too much to say, but I'll share it anyway. You can take it with a grain of salt. Uh, He said that they were also filming submarine scenes at the film studio. That kind of jives with what we've reported of the cast being spotted there, all soaking wet and wandering the lot. But according to Paul, the guy said that the scenes basically depict the submarine flooding and sinking. And uh, Kate in particular gets knocked about and uh, supposedly Desmond plays a part as well. That I don't know how that works out. And basically where it gets weird is the guy said something like Desmond tries but fails to save Ana Lucia's life like Uh. the scene with Charlie. 
So now I figure he's just throwing names out there. I mean, Desmond and Ana Lucia and the submarine, and it just sounds a little ridiculous. I wouldn't put it past these guys to basically mess with us. They certainly have before, but, you know, I figured I'd share it, and we'll see what ultimately turns up on screen. Um, back to actual reports. Uh, March 9th, that was a Tuesday. They turned up in Waikiki, so, of course, that was putting them in view of some visiting fans. Uh, Gary and Patty, they recognized the telltale signs of lost production and hung around for a bit. They were using the Lotus Hotel hotel it appeared or or possibly one of the condos right around there but basically it was a flash sideways scene and the scene seemed to feature jack and widmore but uh, also spotted leaving the set was claire actually a pregnant claire as well as david or jack's son so how all that comes together i don't know the next day they turned up in waipahu at august aren's school this is the same school where they'd previously filmed the stunt scene with Locke in the parking lot and i'm guessing now this school is going to serve as the exterior for the high school where Locke and Ben are teachers. Anyway, they used both the inside and outside of the school for sets. Inside, they took over the health room and they turned it into an infirmary, even giving it a fresh coat of paint. And according to Christina, a friend of mine who works there, she says the scene was for a woman that uh, she didn't recognize. So I'm going to guess that it was possibly Ilana, maybe picking up where we saw her in the Russian infirmary. Outside, they filmed a couple of interesting scenes. Now, one was basically all stunt dubs and it was for a fight scene. It appears that Desmond gets out of his car and uh, grabs Ben, our teacher Ben, and starts beating him up. Um, I'm not sure yet what grievance Desmond would have with Ben. I mean, uh, Ben tried to kill Desmond in the other timeline. Yeah, but not in the flash yeah, sideways. not in this flash sideways, so I'm not sure what's going on. Um, Terry O'Quinn, Locke was also there in his wheelchair in the parking lot, but uh, we didn't see him do anything, so we're not sure what his particular role was, but again, this is definitely that school. Then they filmed another scene in front of the school, um, and it featured Ben and, yes, his star student, Alex. Now, Ben looked a bit uh, weary, I guess. His right arm was in a sling, so this was probably after he got beaten up. They had a school bus there. It said Los Angeles Unified School District on the side, and they had kids climbing aboard or getting picked up by their parents in other cars. So in the scene, a blue car pulls up, and Danielle gets out. Yes, no. Danielle Russo, <gasps> yes! Mira Fulan, comes back as the mom of Alex, and basically uh, Alex introduces Danielle to Ben, and they shake hands, and it appears Ben gets a little flummoxed and he drops a bunch of papers and uh, Alex helps him pick them up. In the end, uh, Danielle and Alex offer Ben a ride and he gets into the car with them. Now, I do want to thank uh, Stephen and Paul for their report. They had a great conversation speculating about what happens. I mean, it, they thought it would be kind of cool if Ben, the teacher, and Rousseau, Alex's uh, hardworking mom, had a bit of a love connection, a little spark kind of coming up in that scene. Hmm. It would be kind of awesome, again, for how those characters might turn out in this flash sideways very cool stuff now on thursday uh, that's march 11th it was a big day out at new otherton yes camp erdman out on the north shore and they filmed several scenes throughout the day in one uh, ben miles and alpert walk into the camp and they're all carrying guns as they pass a picket fence uh, kind of near where the swing set used to be uh, miles stops suddenly and senses something apparently he he touches the ground and says something something to Ben, who then stops and kind of looks down at the ground for a long time. Finally, he says something to Miles and continues walking. And uh, it, it sounds to me that perhaps uh, Ben and Miles had a little encounter with the essence of 
Alex. Mm. So that'd be kind of an interesting message. Uh, second scene was with uh, Ben sitting out in front of one of the cabins, and basically uh, Locke walks up and sits down in the chair next to him, and uh, they have a conversation. And, of course, any conversation between Ben and Locke or Unlock is hopefully going to be filled with all kinds of interesting uh, new clues. Mm-hmm. And finally, they filmed a scene with Alpert. Uh, he's walking through the area by himself, and he's looking around nervously when suddenly something hits him and knocks him back onto the ground. Basically, it looked like a smoke monster attack, and sure enough, the last scene that they filmed for the day was basically all about the camera. The camera was just pushed around, wobbling and turning around, and basically it looked like they were doing a smoke monster's eye view of a brutal attack on poor Richard. So, uh, doesn't look good for Richard in that scene. Uh, thanks to Stephen and Paul for that report. The next day, they were back on the North Shore, just east of Hollywood Beach Park. In the morning, they filmed a scene with Locke and Jack on the beach together, um, but no idea what was going on. They kept folks pretty far away. Then they filmed a separate scene with Claire and Locke and a canoe. Basically, Locke was trying to get Claire to get into the canoe, but she was resisting. But in the end, yes, the two of them do push out in the canoe, and I'm wondering if either of them have a gun on them, Mm. but that'd be kind of cool. Uh, Finally, though, they did move deep into the jungle, so there wasn't much to see. There were some gunshots, but no idea what was going on or what was involved. I do want to thank Paul once again and Sam for that filming report. Moving finally to this week, they were back at the same beach to start. Uh, They were filming an interesting scene, though, where there were crates and life vests and other debris basically washing up on shore, perhaps the aftermath of a ship or submarine coming apart or having exploded, I don't know. In any case, the scene featured Jack, Kate, and Hurley. Now, it was pouring that day. The weather's been very wet lately, so things were held up for hours by the weather. Uh, Visiting fan Damien hung around for a while, but uh, really wasn't entirely sure what the scene was because they kept setting up and breaking down. But it looked like Hurley was sitting on one of the crates looking out to sea, and Jack and Kate were both lying down in the sand nearby. Now, it wasn't clear whether Jack and Kate were resting, unconscious, or even possibly dead, or if the actors themselves were just really tired for the day. Kate was listening to her iPod, for example, but it's hard to not read a lot into that scene because the name of episode 16 is said to be what they died for. And the question is... Who's they? And, um, well, they're dead. That same day, they also turned up right near where I work. Uh, This is on Wednesday, just a few days ago, near a warehouse on Pier 29 in Honolulu Harbor. But uh, very smart of them. This was a secure facility. So apart from some sightings by Coast Guard folks, there was no real telling what the scene was. Thursday and Friday, the last couple of days, they were filming at Waiahole Beach Park. This is uh, just north of Kualoa and near Waikane Pier, you know, the very famous Pala Ferry pier uh, but they were actually filming in the jungle and there's a river there and of course security was very tight uh, thursday was jack kate hurley and sawyer as well as both young and older jacob uh, they were seen at least coming and going from the set they filmed late into the night thursday night and Friday night, although for the Friday filming, it was just Hurley and Jacob there at that location. But again, you know, not many details, just who was there, uh, but a lot of curious and helpful fans. So I do want to say thanks to Chris, Joe, and Francie for their reports from Waiahole Beach Park. 
Uh, that's pretty much it, though. Finally, a random note. If you haven't heard, uh, Michelle Rodriguez mentioned on Twitter a couple of days ago that she is also in town. So, yes, Ana Lucia is going to make an appearance toward the end of the season. It'll be good to see her again. What about Arewale? Uh, Triple A? Yes. No sightings yet. But no! uh, I would say he still <laughs> remains at the top of the list of somebody who should at least make a token appearance in season six. I'm still holding out. There's still a couple of hours of episodes left to shoot. Uh, let's all pray for Adewale. But in any case, that's our crash course of Forward Cabin here. Three weeks of filming reports just crammed in. It was packed. A lot to relish, I hope, but really savor it because unfortunately there aren't going to be that many more Forward Cabin reports left here in the season. And now that the filming reports are behind us that means we're pretty much done with this episode of the transmission this show is powered by you all everybody so be sure to join the conversation on the blog after the episode airs on tuesday night please comment there and share your thoughts with everyone it's a really great fun conversation or you can send us an email or you can call the lost line and of course we're always available for some talk story on twitter you can find me at hawaii and i'm at mrs hawaii it's been a really great ride so far we're now moving into the second and final half of the final season of Lost. It really means a lot that you're taking this journey with us. Talk to you soon, folks. Stay lost. Aloha. Aloha. This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.